podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Some of the topics are addiction, fear, faith, self-compassion, relationships, codependency, emotional intelligence, and more. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Water is not the simple glass of liquid we are taught in school, the random arrangement of hydrogen and oxygen called bulk water by scientists. Rather, water has the amazing ability to arrange its hydrogen and oxygen molecules into repeating geometric formations, just like a crystal. This is called a structured water. Why does structured water matter? In this episode, Nevin Ackard and Dr. Carly Newday explore the science of extracted water and how it is different from bulk water. Since 99% of our molecules by count are extracted water, it becomes vitally important to our health. By looking into how the water in our body affects our DNA, proteins and enzymes and also cellular communication, it really becomes apparent that the water we drink must be carefully examined. Does water affect our consciousness, our thoughts, perceptions, and judgments? What is the relationship between water and spirituality? This statement has been paraphrased based on the information found on watercodes.com. Dr. Carly Newday is a water researcher whose primary work focuses on the science of structured water. She's the author of Water Codes, The Science of Health, Consciousness, and Enlightenment, which examines the dynamic physics of water, its role in the body, and our spiritual relationship with water throughout ancient times. Nevin Ackert has been researching holistic health, water quality, and emerging water technologies for 23 years. His mission is to invoke higher levels of water consciousness to people around the world, inspiring them to obtain autonomy for their personal health. His philosophy is based in the understanding that when water is in its purest form, and at its highest quality, it is a living substance. Nevin has created a custom drinking water system solution configured with the state-of-the-art components, 
to purify and transform any water into the highest quality drinking water, creating a medicinal spring water quality with therapeutic properties. Here is the interview with Nevin Ackert and Dr. Carly Newday. In your own words, who is Nevin Ackert and Carly Newday? I am a researcher of nature and water and a health nut. <laughs> <laughs> Good. <laughs> Good for us. It. Just uh, a real health geek and someone who believes that our body, uh, spirit, soul has a far greater potential of health and vitality than what most people think. Great. Mm -hmm. Carly. And I, I would describe myself as a student of life. I, I love to learn about my world and myself. Um, and I'm very passionate about the world of spirituality and science and bringing those two things together for a more holistic approach to, uh, to life in general. Wonderful. Thank you. My first question to both of you or one of you can answer uh, this specific question. What is your non-scientific definition of water? Mm -hmm. My non-scientific definition of water uh, would be hard to go non-scientific here. But for me, uh, water is the driving force of life. It is the bridge between uh, the energetic world and the physical world um, for manifesting uh, energy and spirituality into physical matter. Mm, interesting. Um, Nevin, do you want to oh, add? Oh, goodness. Uh, water is consciousness. Mm. It's, uh, it's also the how consciousness travels, I believe is in water. There's water everywhere. It's the most, one of the most predominant elements in our world. So right. water conducts consciousness. Do you think that water comes before air? Hmm. I don't know about that. I don't know everything. So I'm careful right. to... Uh... <laughs> what do you think, Carly? Uh, yeah, well, I mean, obviously these are two things that that we need to stay alive um but water for me is is really the, the foundation for life so when we say um you know look looking for life on other planets you know what we're looking for is not necessarily an atmosphere of oxygen what we're looking for is water and when we find water we assume that there there may be life present so for me water does come before air and i really do see it as uh, the connecting force in that mind-body-spirit connection. You know, we we have that biology of belief and the the connection between our uh, mental, physical, and spiritual self. And, and for me, water is that connecting force that allows those things to, to, to work together. Right. What is it that most of us don't know about water? Well, most people don't realize water as being a living substance. They don't, they just see it as H2O 
and only look at it in in terms of its physical quality. Uh, it also has an energetic quality, and water is is very much like a cassette tape or a CD. It, it holds and stores information. So um, I would say that's that's what one thing that most people uh, don't consider about water. Right. Mm, I I agree with that. Um, you know, I think that we're all aware that water is primarily responsible for life, but I don't think people necessarily realize that it's also the most vital piece of our health. Uh, I I think also people don't realize just how much of their body is made of water. If we count all the molecules in our body, over 99% of them are water. It's it's simply when we look at it by weight, because the molecules are so small, by weight, we're about mm, between 75 to 90%, depending on what stage of life you're in. Um, but by count, it's it's over 99% of our molecules are, are water in our body. I think that's something that people don't necessarily know. And then, of course, from my perspective, there's also two different types of water. And those water exist on, on a spectrum. So we have uh, bulk water, which is just kind of that random hydrogen and oxygen in a glass. And then we have what's called structured water, which is where those uh, those molecules of hydrogen and oxygen are arranged in, in repeating patterns. And it's that kind of water that really sustains and promotes life, whereas the bulk water does does not. So that's something that that most people don't know. We look at a glass of water and assume, well, it's it's just water. They all look the same, so it all is the same. And and that's simply not true. Right, right. How does water affect the mind and how does the mind affect water? Hmm, that is a wonderful question. So Good. Water, you know, simply a one percent change in our hydration level has massive impacts on how our our mind works, our cognitive function, our ability to solve problems or think critically, have good decision making, um, you know, a, a sense of well-being and that that uh, positive mental health state. Um, water drastically affects that. So how hydrated our cells are has an immeasurable impact on the ability of our brain to think. Now, our, our brain sits in a bath of water. So does our spine. So it's it's mm. surrounded and, and bathing in cerebrospinal fluid, which is primarily water. And when we change our level of hydration, uh, it can actually cause our brain to shrink. Our our brain upon waking is, is actually smaller than it was when we went to bed the night before because we have not drank all night long while we're uh, respiring. And so we're breathing out uh, water vapor and, and we're becoming slightly dehydrated while we sleep. And we can actually measure that in the size of our brain when we wake up. So how water affects the mind uh, is is very, very strong. And then conversely, the mind has a wonderful, impressive impact on water. Water itself is very responsive. So I mentioned earlier that structured water is when water has its hydrogen and oxygen arranged in those repeating patterns. And those patterns have an effect on the quality and the properties of those 
that water. So what we find is that those patterns are capable of change depending on what the water is exposed to. Those patterns will change in response. It's incredibly responsive. And one of the things that it is very responsive to is consciousness. So you see that in different photographic researchers such as Masari Moto, um, Theodore Schwenk, uh, Laurent Costa. These are, are There's several different people really that have done this kind of work where they have uh, exposed water to different thoughts and different types of consciousness, um, different ideas. And and as a result, see the different uh, patterns that water creates in in response. So um, those two, the mind and water work work together extremely well in sort of a biofood feedback loop where one affects the other and the other affects the one. It makes so much sense to me from the point of view that everything's connected. So everything affects Mm -hmm. everything else. Nevin, do you want to expand on that thought? Sure. Um, You know, Carly did a great, great job of, uh, of explaining that really for me, it's like an even bigger conversation. So, you know, our thoughts have such a great uh, influence on the health and well-being of our entire body and Absolutely. and even you know our intuitive self and messages that we're sending to to other people even you know yeah. and yeah. how well we are hydrated affects how well those those thoughts those frequencies those vibrations of energy that are behind or emanating from those thoughts are able to be transmitted to others or to ourselves. So I think, you know, the the question that you have is really, for me, um, how well are we hydrated and how well is the body able to uh, conduct its subtle energies of thought and feelings, not just thought, but also you know, our emotional body influences or conducts energy the same way as as thoughts are conducted. Right. So I want to talk to you more, a lot more about uh, cellular hydration and hydration in general. But before that, I want to ask you a question, Nevin. How did you decide to study water quality and what is quality water? You know, I just uh, I just had a real passion for for health and vitality. And as a young man and a boy, I uh, growing old and and getting sick and having diseases just didn't make sense to me. I just was like, I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it. <laughs> <laughs> not buying it. And um, yeah, I just yeah. never, you know. As a very young mm-hmm. man, I just intuitively, uh, the, the thought of growing old or getting disease just didn't make, make any sense to me. And, <laughs> and then that started happening, you know, to loved ones and um, myself. Right. And uh, I went through a little bit of a healing crisis and it wasn't really a decision. There wasn't any deciding. It was, uh, it was something that had to be. You know, in order to confirm or to support 
those early feelings as I had as a young man of not believing in growing old and being diseased, of course, I had to, to study water. Great. Yeah, that's a great reason, right, to, to begin on that path. So what is quality water? Quality water is a, is a water that facilitates our body's inherent potential of health and, and wellness. So um, that's really, I, I mentioned that earlier, the average person and, and our health institutions, doctors, all of that, I, I feel, really comes from a place of under-acknowledging and overlooking how important a role the quality of water that we drink on a daily basis plays in our overall health and longevity. Right. And that triggers me to ask both of you a question. Do you have a water healing story, personal story? Yes, absolutely. And I know Nevin does too. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I went to school when I began my uh, college studies. I developed my own major in natural alternative medicine. I had a, a close family friend of mine who my son's grandmother actually, who had gone through um, a very, very rare form of cancer. She was one of two people in the United States that had this specific type of cancer. And as such, she became a, a bit of a guinea pig for the allopathic um, medicine approach. At the same time that she was doing allopathy, she was also doing some natural uh, treatment options, vitamin C injections, uh, Qigong, herbalism, those those types of things. And those were having a, a market effect on her cancer. So that's the direction that I, I decided to go in school. And originally I was looking at going pre-med uh, having seen her experience with allopathy, I, I decided that was not a system that I wanted to be a part of, but that I was very interested in the natural side of things that she had been investigating. Fast forward some years, and I experienced a pretty severe carbon monoxide poisoning. And mm -hmm. so my blood toxicity was very high. It took me many months to recover. And when I finally had reached kind of the peak of, of what I could do myself with the tools in my toolbox of herbs and nutritional supplements. And I had, I had so many tools in my toolbox to use to help myself recover. Um, but I, I hit a peak and I hit a plateau and I was not able to uh, fully recover back to the level of health that I had experienced before my poisoning. It was a direct result of not being able to uh, treat myself, not being able to recover all the way that I began to look into other things. And, and that, that work, that research led me to structured water, which completely changed my life. So when I began treating my body and my health in terms of uh, trying to improve my body structure and, and trying to uh, reduce my exposure to things that would destructure my energy and my water, my health really began to turn around for the better. And I mm. never went back. You mentioned improving body structure. What does it mean? Mm. So the water in our body, those 99% of our molecules are highly structured. And what we find in science, uh, 
that when there's a pathology in the body, when there's some kind of a disease, uh, it can be traced back to a loss of structure in our water. So the water in our cells that maintains our cellular integrity, the water that surrounds our DNA, the water that helps conduct uh, electromagnetic information in our body, the water that all of our enzymatic processes has to go through, everything in the body happens in, through, and because of this highly structured water. So what we find is that when we start to lose that structure, when the water in our cells becomes more like that bulk water that I mentioned, just kind of a random arrangement of hydrogen and oxygen, um, pathology begins to start and we experience disease and and ill health as a result. So I, I began really taking the approach of trying to do things that would increase the the structure of the water inside of my body, which um, had to do with diet. It had to do with my own consciousness, meditation, yoga practices, and drinking a highly quality water. Uh, at that time, I also was working with uh, some crystals and pendants that, that worked on a similar principle. Right. To improve the body structure, we need more than water, from what I understand, Michael. We do, we do. And diet. Yep, all of those things. Again, it goes back to just how responsive water is. So water is so responsive. And uh, we we simply cannot look at our bodies any other way and, and really have an effective approach. We have to understand that since our bodies are primarily made of water, they're also very responsive to information. Information we not may not be consciously aware, but we're surrounded by all the time. So, you know, people find that uh, when they experience things like EMS sensitivities or difficulties living with smart meters and those types of things, it's because that energy really is affecting us and the water inside of our body. And therefore, you know, how well our our cells work or how um, good our cognition is, how much our hydration levels are, all those things begin to to play off each other and become affected. It makes a lot of sense. Um, Nevin, do you have a water healing story for us? I do. I do, actually. Um, You know, it all happened for me um, in late 1994, and I was essentially going through burnout from life. I was just extremely exhausted, had been burning both candles, or the candles at both ends and, you know, putting myself uh, emotionally and physically and psychologically just through rigors for for many years. And uh, I just kind of crashed and started, I think I was uh, 24 at the time. And I just felt like I was 90 years old. And um, one of the things that I noticed was my my vision started uh, degrading. And um, I actually had my eyes checked and the optician made a prescription for me. And at the same time, I got my very first water energizing device from Austria. So my healing process started and I started energizing or structuring uh, my drinking water, all of it. And after about 10 months, I was feeling better the achiness and the feeling like an old man uh, went away. And I actually went back and had my eyes checked again and my vision had significantly improved. 
Wow. Yeah, it just makes so much sense to me, everything both of you are saying. So water can be restructured, right? And like you said, Nevin, now you can actually have the water, tap water into a, um, going through a, a system and the system will restructure and re-energize the water or energize the water. Yeah, you're leaving out an important piece. Um, Carly and I are, you know, very careful uh, not to advocate uh, not purifying, physically purifying our water first. So mm-hmm. it's very important that uh, you're not just drinking tap water. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, oh, you're, God, yeah. uh, you're first purifying your water physically and right. then transforming and enhancing it into a, a, a mature or a ripe water or what we refer to as a true spring quality of water. And yes, one of the processes is an energizing or a structuring of the water. Cool. What is the connection between aging and dehydration? Uh, I can start with this one. So, you know, there's, there's still a lot of debate in the scientific community as far as, you know, what the true cause of aging is. We know that we have um, the fraying of our ends of our telomeres. So the telomeres are the kind of strands on the ends of our DNA. And over time throughout, after each replication, those ends begin to fray. It's often given the metaphor of of being like a shoelace that loses its end cap and it, it begins to fray. So there's still debate about what causes that fraying or how to best uh, intervene at that fraying level. But essentially, through my understanding of, of water physics, the water that surrounds the DNA strand is highly stacked. It's extremely structured and its molecules are arranged in very tight patterns, very specific tight patterns that maintain the integrity of our DNA. It's actually what causes our DNA to coil the way it does is that reaction to that water. So that water not only surrounds the DNA, but it also runs through the central column and it surrounds and protects our telomeres. So as that water begins to unstack, as it begins to lose that tightness of its structure, it is no longer able to provide the integrity for those telomeres and those telomeres begin to fray faster. So accelerated aging is is very highly correlated to uh, cellular dehydration or what what could be considered even like the subclinical dehydration that that Nevin has talked about, um, which most people in America suffer from the subclinical dehydration levels. Right. And that leads to my next question. How do we know we are properly hydrated? And the second question is, what are the signs of dehydration? That's a great question. You know, so many of the, the the minor everyday ailments that we would take an aspirin for, a headache, aches and pains, tiredness, when we're reaching for, for coffee, you know, right. really that energy um, that we're needing is hydration. And right. um, the headaches and the aches and pains are just as, uh, the very first sign of dehydration. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's also very safe to say that, uh, you know, for the majority of people who are drinking, you know, tap water or uh, just a a well water, bottled water, 
these are not purified, these are not conditioned. Those those people, which is the majority of us, uh, are suffering from a subclinical dehydration. They're they're simply not able to hydrate themselves properly with that kind of contaminated water. And, and that water is yeah. highly contaminated. So again, why we advocate so much that that purification step cannot be dismissed uh, is so critical because our contamination is very, very high. Our water has hundreds of contaminants from tap to bottled. It, it literally has hundreds of, of chemical contaminants that are all uh, carcinogenic in nature and, and put a lot of stress on our bodies to, to detox that. So... Uh, that in itself can cause a, a marked dehydration. Right. Uh, toxins, yeah. Mm-hmm. There are elements that work together in our body's functions to maintain proper hydration. So can you talk to me about these key elements? Absolutely. Yeah, I'd love to talk about them. You know, um, electrolytes, uh, the body maintaining proper levels of electrolytes. So that happens with fresh fruits and vegetables, cranberries, oranges, celery. We need to have those electrolytes. They're a very important um, in the function of the cell being able to operate properly and to carry water in and out of the cell membrane. And um, also the other big piece is the EFAs, uh, essential fatty acids. So those are also really crucial in uh, supporting healthy cells. Right. And the third element would be the amount of water. And the quality of water. Oh, yes. Right. A quality Absolutely. of water that has the, the small uh, crystal structures. Right. So quality. Quality intake of electrolytes, intake of the essential fatty acids. Yes. So what is the um, amount of water? We have a hard time. Like I have a hard time. I don't know how much water to drink. And when I drink a lot of water, maybe a little bit less than a gallon, I have to use the bathroom all the time. (laughs) So (laughs) that would be really enlightening. Um, I think... Yeah, Nevin, Nevin, I, w- I would love to hear your comments on this. I'll, I'll just first very briefly say um, that, yeah. again, quality is so much more important than quantity when it comes to water. Our bodies can can actually function with much less water than we think it needs if that water is of an extremely high quality. The problem, of course, is that most of us do not have access to a quality water. So we continue to drink uh, simply what we have, hoping that that the quantity will make up for the quality. And unfortunately, that's just not the case. So as you see, uh, mm-hmm. Valerie, that it it oftentimes yeah. will just kind of pass right through. Um, right. Alternatively, it can also cause things like uh, edema and, and a buildup of water between cells simply because mm-hmm. it's, it's not able to enter and exit the cell effectively. It, it builds up in the space in between. And um, so you know, quantity is is really much less important than quality. Right. So if we are drinking quality water, what would be the amount, the proper amount to be hydrated? It really depends on the person, uh, you know, their sex, their weight, and their activity, what they're doing on mm. a daily basis. Right. So right. Um, in general, um, women need more um, water on a daily basis than men do. But, you know, the traditional 
quantities. I think for women, it's like five liters a day. And for men, it's four liters a day. I've been doing a really interesting uh, experiment on myself here lately. And I'm still learning about this, but there's um, what they refer to as gel water. Um, Have you done any homework on that, Carly? Uh, So oftentimes what's referred to as a gel water is is simply a water that has a highly structured nature. Um, But Mm. Nevin, maybe you'll expand on what you're talking about specifically. Um, What I'm talking about specifically, it's almost um, a bit of a mucigenic water. And what I've been doing is I've been soaking uh, flax seeds and fennel seeds in a gallon of water for a couple of days. And it creates a a, a mucigenic structure in the water. Um, And I'm finding that I'm feeling more hydrated drinking that water. When I drink that water, it stays with me. I'm not passing it or uh, going to the bathroom nearly as much. Um, it's yeah. very interesting. And uh, we'd have to maybe oh. schedule another interview. When, I know. When both I'd love that. Had done a little more homework on that. Uh, 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 oh, no. There I go with more things to do. <laughs> I'll change everything now. <laughs> I've been changing so much. I would I would also suggest uh, that the quantity uh, depends not only on those things that Nevin mentioned, but but also things like diet and and simply what stage yeah. they're at. Um, so, for example, if I was you know sort of the the average um, still health conscious person, um, but you know drinking just what's available, whether it's a tap water or a bottled water, or maybe I I put it through a very simple filter. And then I I switch over to a quality water. I may find that for the first few weeks, I need more of that water than I will after say a month because I'll, I'll be doing such a strong detox. You know, as soon as I start putting in a quality water to my body, my body begins to start using it. It's like, yes, this is finally what I needed in order to, you know, detox the cells and hydrate myself. And so I might find that my water needs may change after a few weeks or a month or or two months, depending on my level of, of toxicity, um, that after those detox processes have, have really stabilized, um, I will probably need less water than I did before. At least that has been my experience and, and the experience of many people that I know. Yeah. And I would say also it's, it's also um, a practice like sleeping is a practice. You know, mm, so we right. need consistency in our lives. Our body needs consistency. So we need a, a, a solid eight hours of sleep every night. And we need X amount of liters of water every day. So the more that we can be consistent with our body, uh, the better results and we're going to get in our, in our overall health on a daily basis. Right. Carly, you mentioned earlier accumulation of water between cells uh, when we are overhydrated. Mm-hmm. What is the consequence of that? Um, well, that's that's something like edema. So people, um, it happens very often uh, as we age um, that people end up with an edema, which is simply the the water between the cells. So we might have swelling in our in our ankles or in our joints. The, the consequence of that is that the water is is in between our cells rather than in our cells. So our cells are dehydrated uh, and our body ends up with this, this buildup of this bulk water, which it, it cannot properly use. Um, so 
there's a variety of of consequences, mainly being, you know, an, an ill health uh, and mm. oftentimes a, a pain and fatigue. Oh, so the question actually that I should have asked is what is edema? I, I never heard about that. Yeah, edema, edema is simply the, the swelling in between, in between the cells. So an accumulation mm. of water uh, in between the cells rather than in the cells themselves. So right. yeah, yeah, it's it happens very much to uh, you know as as we get older, it's not very common in in children, um, but it it happens very much to you know something most senior citizens are are going to be familiar with. Right. Thank you, um, Navin. You mentioned earlier that women need more water than men. Why? Mm, I do not know why, Carly. Why do women need more water than men? Yeah. That's a wonderful question. And I'm not... I think you mentioned, right, Nevin? I'm sorry, Carly. No, please. Did I ahead, understand Valerie. that well? Or maybe I'm... Okay. Yes. Every time I've ever researched the proper amount of water for a person to drink on a daily basis, it's always indicated that women require more than men do. And okay. I don't know exactly why that is. Uh, intuitively, I would think it would have something to do with their hormonal system and mm. and the, the, their monthly cycles of, of blood building and and passing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I would completely agree. I would I would expect, and I would need to do a little more digging on that, but I would expect that it has to do with uh, blood volume and simply um, our cyclical needs that are are different than men. Um, it could also have to do with uh, the the different balance of various hormones and and fat body fat contents uh, as well. It could even have to do with uh, simply the way that women tend to approach um, thinking and and the world in a slightly different way than men. You know, we are not simply mm-hmm. uh, smaller versions of men. <laughs> we are <laughs> we are very different, right? And and so right. um our thinking is different, our our needs are different. The way we approach problems is often different. Um and of course our our hormonal cycles I would assume would be the major physical factor there for why we need we need more water to sustain those regular monthly processes. <laughs> right. Well one other thing I want to uh, say on that subject is it also depends on what people are doing for themselves dietarily, okay? So drinking a lot of coffee or drinking a lot of alcohol, then you're going to need to drink more water for sure because those are things that are going to dehydrate your body. Mm-hmm. True. Um, so the main question, what is the best kind of water to drink, the healthiest Uh, I'd love Nevin to comment on this, but again, first, I will just very briefly say that the the best water is one that is purified and free of contaminants. And and when I say purified, I really mean purified. So 99% of the reverse osmosis systems on the market, or even the the very uh, advanced distillation machines do not create a purified water. So... uh, majority of your RO systems or your standard filters, your Brita pitchers still leave you with quite a high contaminant level. 
Um, RO systems, most of the time, unless you're really working with like a hospital and laboratory grade reverse osmosis like Nevin uses, um, most of the systems on the market don't perform in real world conditions and they reduce their effectiveness very quickly. So you're still getting a high level of contaminant. So first, a purified water, second, a remineralized water. You've got to put those minerals back in after you've purified it. And then thirdly, a highly structured water, one that has been um, you know, processed and, and conditioned to uh, increase and, and improve its structure. And I'll let, I'll let Nevin take it from here. Wow. Where do we find that yeah. water? <laughs> Nevin. <laughs> well, you know, we, my study of water and nature is, is very uh, primordial in that I look at how water is given to us from, from Mother Nature, looking at how the earth um, existed before man started tinkering with her and destroying her. So uh, from my study of Victor Schauberger, we, we identify all the different types of natural occurring water on earth. We have rainwater, we have lake water, we have river water, we have ocean water. Then we have the springs and there's really two types of springs. There's seepage springs and true springs. And the difference between a true spring and a seepage spring is that a seepage spring only goes to a certain depth in the earth. It hits a rocky layer and then comes back to the earth's surface. Whereas a true spring travels deep, deep into the earth. It comes into contact with the hot molten layers of the earth where it's completely purified deep, deep inside the earth. It's, it's reborn, basically. It's uh, what Schauberger would refer to as a, a, a juvenile water. And then it makes a journey back to the surface of the earth. And that's when the water is ripened, it's matured by going through all the different crystals and minerals and stones inside the earth. So, you know, we're looking at, at water much like the food that we eat. You know, you wouldn't pick a, an apple or an orange off a tree that wasn't mature and ripe and think that it was going to nourish you. It's the same with the water we drink on a daily basis. It needs to be a mature, ripe water that's filled with all the nutrients and energy that we need to, to, to nourish our body uh, on all levels. Absolutely. Oh, man. There's a lot of um, advertisement marketing behind uh, alkaline water. What is the difference between alkaline water and spring water? It's very different. It's, it's the process. Um, it's, a, it's a process. The alkaline water, 99% of the alkaline waters that you buy in the store or the, the systems that are purchased for home use utilize an electrolysis process to split the water molecule uh, apart. And uh, from my study of water and all the research I've done, and intuitively, this is a very unnatural process and a, a man-made manipulation of water, which is, is very unnatural. So, um, right. Carly? 
Yes, I agree wholeheartedly. Not only is it unnatural, but it's also unhealthy. So when we talk about the difference between marketed alkaline water and say a, a natural spring water, which is naturally alkaline, these are two completely different entities, completely different substances. As David mentioned, um, that marketing process is usually done with electrolysis or um, I've seen many bottled waters that simply have, you know, added baking soda um, that mm. that they use to increase the alkalinity. But what you end up doing then is you're ingesting a water that has either been artificially or uh, through the addition of something like sodium bicarbonate made highly alkaline. And that's simply not good for our body. It taxes our GI system. We have many redundant systems in place in our body to maintain uh, our body's pH needs. Our body has a variety of of pH needs uh, depending on you know different locations in the body. And for the most part, uh, our body requires a certain level of acidity in order to reduce bacterial growth and and prevent infections. So when we ingest something that is artificially highly alkaline in nature, we're really, taxing our body to to try to combat that and to try to bring our pH levels back to uh, a, a level that our body can use to function properly. When you have something like a natural spring water that is natu- naturally alkaline, it's naturally alkaline because of the process, the natural processes it's been through and the natural minerals that it's picked up along the way, which is not going to be a simple splash of baking soda. It's it's typically a, a broad spectrum of, of calcium and magnesium and um, you know different alkaline minerals. So those are are completely different substances. It, it's akin to comparing apples and oranges, except you know those apples are poisoned. So <laughs> those are the, <laughs> oh, the difference no. there. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, alkaline water is very dangerous. I had no idea that that was the water that I was consuming. Alkaline water for uh, for the last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's 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 unfortunate. Most people just simply aren't aware. Um, that the right. the tax they're putting on their body, but um, again, you know, your stomach uh, requires a very specific pH level and around four in order to digest food properly, in order to reduce bacterial growth. Uh, so, you know, drinking a, a highly alkaline water taxes the body tremendously. Uh, our body is forced to create a lot of hydrochloric acid to dump into the stomach to bring the pH back down to where it needs to be. As a result, wow. it, it kicks a lot of bicarbonate into the bloodstream and 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 that system just gets gets heavily taxed. I do feel the difference. I'm going to thank on record uh, Nevin again for suggesting the uh, spring water that I drink now. I, I feel better energy. I sleep better. I was really surprised that the alkaline water was not healthy, as healthy as I thought, or not healthy at all for what I hear uh, you're saying. It's It's just very counterproductive. I'm sorry, Nevin, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say the whole marketing and um, hype and craze behind alkaline water um, started quite a while ago. I actually was first introduced to that technology 23 years ago. And these machines, they were developed in hospitals in Asia for people that Mm. had cancer or were severely obese, uh, for people with really severe health conditions. And and the technology was developed as a therapeutic healing device. It was never, ever, ever intended 
for the average healthy person as their daily drinking water. It was mm-hmm. just really, you know, capitalism and marketing that put a spin on it and really fed people a lot of misinformation about this type of technology and this unnatural manipulation of water to be used as their daily drinking water. It was never, never uh, intended that way. And um, it's, yeah, it's it's sad, but um, wow. you know, a lot of people have been very misinformed. And um, you know, there's a really good YouTube video that we can uh, share with your listeners that goes into more of the medical science behind it and 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 what's happening inside our body, like probably the same with our digestion and how the body actually has many different pHs throughout the body. Our skin is a different pH. Parts of our digestion are different pHs. Mm-hmm. And um, just the whole idea that our daily drinking water is going to influence the pH of our body is is really a misnomer. It's it's our diet. It's what what we're eating on a daily basis that influences body's pH. So, you know, lots of coffee, soda pop, a heavy red meat diet, those are all going to really acidify one's body. Right. And that high alkaline water, Nevin, you really, you really said it um, so well. And I, I just wanted to reiterate, you know, I mentioned that it was dangerous, but it's, it's as, it is used as a daily drinking water, like Devin mentioned, that that uh, that danger really comes into play. And it comes into play over long-term use of, of daily drinking. So for marketers, they're not so concerned because it will take time for those people to start uh, having those consequences, but it, it eventually can cause not just uh, problems with our, our gastrointestinal system, but also lead to things like kidney problems or uh, recurring UTIs as as the urinary tract uh, system just becomes too alkaline in nature and we end up with bacterial growth there as well. So um, that's when it can really start to to have that long-term damage as a daily drinking water. Right. Ah, oh, that pisses me off. <laughs> yeah, right. That makes me very angry. Right. Piss me <laughs> yeah. off. But one, one of the cool. things that nobody's really talking about either is the fact that for the home use, the machines that people have at home, they don't have proper purification in front of the electrolysis process. So, mm-hmm. you know, what really gets me concerned is that, you know, you've got contaminated water coming into contact with an electrolysis process. Are those contaminants becoming more volatile? Who knows? Nobody's talking about that and no no scientific research has been done on that. So yeah, it's it's uh it's kind of a scary thing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's all about awareness. Um this conversation will have. Yes. Oh yeah. Uh Carly, do you want to say something? No, no, go ahead, Valerie. No, you're absolutely right. It's just a, an education at that point, right? So there's a lot of misinformation that's promoted yeah. by a lot of marketers. And it's it's just about educating people so that we can make better choices. Right. Like in my case, I'm always reading and I thought I knew enough about you know health and and I didn't. I was drinking alkaline water and uh, it was not the best for my health. Right. So moving the conversation to a more spiritual realm, my next question is, 
How do consciousness and memory relate to water? Oh, that's one of my favorite questions. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I touched on it briefly earlier, just about uh, the st- the structure of water. So my book, Water Codes, is is fully about just that topic uh, wholeheartedly, just about uh, structured water, what it means that water has structure, and then what the implications are for consciousness and memory. And water, structured water, is, is really a liquid crystal. So when we look at crystals, we see that they have an arrangement in how their molecules are organized. Uh, determines what those crystals do. So for example, uh, the molecule arrangement of ruby helps cohere light. So it was used for the original lasers were made out of ruby because light comes in, the way those molecules are arranged puts all that light together and and shoots it out like a laser. The way that the uh, carbon atoms are arranged in graphite They're arranged in sheets, which makes it very soft and easy to break and perfect for things like pencils. Um, But if you look at diamonds, that same carbon is arranged in these very tight interlocking patterns, which is what makes it the strongest substance on earth. We also use crystals for things like uh, hard drives. We have our solid state drive systems. We have um, uh, crystals that are able to store massive amounts of information and holograms even. All of those things are possible because of the arrangement of those molecules. Having the molecules within those crystals organized gives them certain properties. One of those properties is memory and information storage. So. What's special about water is that it is more like a liquid crystal. It has those hydrogen and oxygen in structured water. It has those hydrogen and oxygen arranged in repeating and organized patterns. But because it's a liquid and it's responsive, it's fluid and flexible and it's capable of change. So what what ends up happening is all of those uh, patterns and organization provide places for information storage and information conduction. So uh, memory and information can be held and contained in water. Water has a memory and we see that through uh, many different types of uh, research uh, experiments or photographic research. We, We can see that visually. That water has a response and that it is able to uh, to hold information. So in the body, you know, we can we can see that really well. Um, we look at things like where memory is stored. And while we have certain centers in the brain that are more used than others for memory storage, we can we cannot find a place where memory is complete. We cannot find a place where we're consciousness and say, hey, this is a part of the brain that holds consciousness. We can't do that because the consciousness and memory uh, within ourselves is stored throughout our body and it's stored throughout our intense network of structured water system those 99% of our molecules are holding information and holding memory and allowing our consciousness to to work. So I look at water as the mechanism for consciousness. It's what allows consciousness to operate. It's what allows for uh, information storage and also for the responsiveness to our environment and to stimuli and and to uh, thought um, those those patterns are are really found in in water, and we've seen this through antiquity. So part of the book, I go through sort of our our ancestral relationship with water throughout time. What is it that 
all of our texts through every religion across the world throughout antiquity, spanning space and time, have all had these same ideas about water in terms of its ability to uh, cleanse things spiritually and its ability to affect uh, and drive our consciousness. And so it's it's really a it's really a, a very deep uh, realm of of thought and space where we can explore sort of how our consciousness and memory works through the physics of of structured water science. I don't want to expand the conversation about your book today because we will have an episode just for that. Oh yeah. Wonderful. um, But this is one of the things that caught my attention. This the relationship between consciousness and, and water. So yeah, Carly, thank you for um, explaining this to us. And um, I will definitely have you back. I have a lot of questions for you on that, about your book, Water Codes. Thank you. I'd love to. Her, her book deserves an entire show to itself. Thank oh, you, yeah. Nathan. Yes. So leading to our last questions, they are meant to be quick answers, but you can just talk it away. What is your definition of spirituality? First question. And then in what ways do you practice spirituality um, in your daily life? That is a beautiful question. Um, how how would I define spirituality? I, I, I think... Um, oh... There's many facets to to spirituality, but I would suggest that as it's at its core, it's how we relate uh, to ourselves and to our world and and the purpose of of our life. I think is is very deeply connected to our own sense of spirituality and what that means. The following question attached to that: It's how do you practice that understanding of a spirituality in your life? Mm. Right, right. So uh, spirituality for myself isn't so much a practice as it is a way of life. Uh, there are things that I do as a practice within my my daily uh, life or my physical uh, self-care. Um, things like meditation or hiking, spending time in nature, yoga, connection with uh, loved ones, um, service, being in service to others. Um, those are all things that I do to practice spirituality, but I think at a, as a whole, it's a, a way of approaching life and a, a way of living life where mm, um, right. it's with uh, gratitude and it's with sort of a, yeah. an, an, an awe-ness of, of nature and the awesome yeah. nature of life. Um, and I think uh, approaching the world in that way and, and making it a, a way of life rather than something that I practice and, you know, a, a practice for me is something you do for a short period of time and then you and then you're done and you wait until you come back and do it again. <laughs> and spirituality is uh, right, right? So, that is that is true. Um, right. I like that. I like that, Carly. I really do like a way of spirituality should be a way of life. Mm-hmm. But I also believe that some um, components of spirituality need to be practiced, like uh, gratitude. Absolutely. It is a practice. We got (laughs) to practice it. I have to practice every day. I know it's becoming more part of me, but I remind myself. 
and and that's how that's how those practices become a way of life and right. a way of being right is is through that kind of constant reminder when we begin to uh, to to fall out we we bring ourselves back just like in meditation when we begin to you know to wander our mind begins to wander we just bring it back uh, we don't we don't you know get upset at ourselves or think that we right. are you know have failed or we're not no that's that's not the way it is it's simply when we begin to wander we wander we come we come back yeah right because it's uh, it's part of life too right to, absolutely um, to wander a bit too much or <laughs> depends or <laughs> depends like you know women we have that time of the month that's kind of hard and then mm -hmm. we have to remind ourselves of certain things absolutely sure um nevin uh, what is your definition of spirituality and how do you practice it or how do you live it yeah it, it, Definitely, I am right there with Carly and everything that she mentioned. You know, um, my my path has become one of love. So uh, the root of my personal spirituality is love. And I, uh, I have a motto. It's to be love, give love, and to live love. So that's, uh, that's really become my... My spiritual path is the path of love, uh, loving acceptance, uh, you know, recognizing that there is uh, benevolent, divine, angelic forces that ultimately prevail throughout the universe and uh, seeing the bigger picture, you know, and, um, and trusting that, yes, there is uh, a benevolent, loving force that is working out its its grand plan in in a beautiful way. Yeah. Right. Hmm. So you said love. What is love to you? Hmm. It's uh, it's a lot of things. It's uh, it's appreciation. Uh, it's gratitude. It's humility. Loves, you know, the basis of so many other attributes. You know, truth comes from love. It's, you know, it's 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 a humility, definitely, and um, yeah. And as Carly said, an awe for life and mm -hmm. the gift of life and this life that that we're experiencing here on Earth. Just, uh, you know, the humble gratitude for for each and every day and each and every moment. Um, yeah. Yeah. When you say being humble, is it connected to acceptance? Certainly. Certainly. Yes. Yeah. That's such a powerful healing inner resource, right? Acceptance. Yeah. Acceptance and perspective, you know, um, and, and the gratitude for, you know, here in the Western world, you know, most of us are just, you know, so uh, blessed with so much abundance and uh, so many comforts and, you know, just thinking about where you are compared to, you know, millions of other people in the same moment of time. I was listening to some radio program the other day and it was the largest refugee camp in the world is like 750,000 people living in a, in a camp. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, oh my gosh, I can't, I just, it was just really 
difficult for me to put my head around that, that so many people living in such um, mm-hmm. dire, basic uh, circumstances. And um, yeah, so I, I try to keep my perspective um, in, in check. <laughs> mm. What is another word for healing? Hmm. Another word for healing. Nevin, do you have a thought on that? I do. I I, it, I don't know if there's necessarily a, a word isn't coming up. It's more of a concept of vitality, you know, mm-hmm. uh, or, you know, yeah, it's yeah. just, it's really more instead of having to be healed or be engaged in a healing process, the, uh, another word would be uh, vitality and being engaged in a in in the action of 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 living our our greatest vitality and our our greatest potential of health. Mm, me too. I like that. Yeah, <laughs> I, would, I, like that. Well, I would echo that. I would echo <laughs> that yeah, uh, wholeheartedly. Yeah. Hmm. What makes you laugh? <laughs> Oh, <laughs> oh! You're laughing already. So we're thinking about uh, something. There Tell are me. so many things that make me laugh, um, but uh-huh. but one of them certainly is is uh, just a, a joyful approach and connection with life around me. Whether that's connection with others or connection with uh, nature, connection with animals. Um, my pets make me laugh. My friends and family make me laugh. I make myself laugh on a very regular basis. <laughs> <laughs> it is an expression of, of joy. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Silence. I'm here. Yeah. Laughing, laughing at myself <laughs> is, is, is the healthiest thing I can do uh, multiple times. it is great right to be silly when we are alone it is and and laughter is is such a wonderful thing for our body too you know our health really responds our immune system responds so well to laughter and it's it's just a, a such a joyful experience for us from the time we're infants um we love to laugh laughter is food Mm-hmm. <laughs> food i never thought it that way <laughs> it does feed the soul doesn't uh, it, it? Be, yeah. <laughs> what is the purpose of life Ooh, the purpose for everybody i agree yeah i know i think the purpose for my life uh, is to learn and practice and grow my understanding and sense of gratitude and uh, and awe and awareness at at this incredible planet and this incredible life that that we're given the magic of consciousness the experience of of living in these these uh, complex complex forms of our body and and the sense of of what it means for our spirit to to be so large um, and yet still be able to contain ourselves within this physical form. Oh, goodness. Um, my purpose in life. You no, know, it's really um, to be a voice and a carrier of, 
of wisdoms and knowledges that would have otherwise been lost, I, I feel. Um, you know, there's just pools of information, ancient wisdoms that uh, are becoming scarce or going extinct and um, really preserving and, and passing on um, a lot of very important ancient wisdom that that would go into obscurity otherwise. Mm-hmm. I think also the idea of lifting others as we climb uh, is something that fits very well into what Nevin just said. And I do carry that very, very dear to my heart as as my way of approaching uh, my life and, and being able to help others around me. I, yeah. What are you not afraid of than most people are? Hmm. I think there's many people that are afraid of failure. And and I look at it differently. I, I think that failure only comes when we don't try. Uh, I think trying and not right. succeeding at something is different than failing. I think most people look at it uh, in, in a different way, where they think if they're not going to succeed at something, then they're going to fail, and then they're afraid to try new things because they don't want to fail. Um, trying something new is is never failing. Uh, it's trying something new. <laughs> so, um, yeah, mm-hmm. courage. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah. Ah. Uh, I'm not afraid of being unique. <laughs> Amen. You know, and uh, not afraid of being you. Yeah, and just be myself. Really and uh, yeah, um, it, what Carly said that goes for me as well. I'm uh, I, I'm not afraid of failing, and um, I'm not afraid of being successful either. <laughs> right. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. some people yeah. are right. Um. Okay, and that leads to my other question, um, one of the final questions. What is your definition of success? Sharing. I think uh, just yeah. being able to share with others mm. uh, and yeah. be a voice. Mm. Um, if you're getting getting your message out there, then then you're being successful. I agree. Uh, again, lifting others as as you climb, I think is uh, is is successful. I think that is success. Yeah, helping others definitely is, yeah. is success. You know, being mm-hmm. a part of helping make the world a better place uh, in your own little special way that that's success. Mm-hmm. Right. If you were to have one meal every day for the rest of your life, what would that be? <laughs> One meal for the rest of my life? <laughs> Quality water and f- fresh fruits and vegetables. That would be... <laughs> oh, wow. So, uh, for me, yeah. it would be quality water and, and some sort of fresh fruit and vegetable. Yeah. yeah. So, some okay. people are breatharians or vegetarians. <laughs> uh I consider yeah. myself a water Aryan, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, could, I could just loop off of my special water, and that's all I would need. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, a, a, a salad harvested from my garden every day would be nice too. Mm-hmm. Oh, salad, right? Mm-hmm. 
If you had to choose one exercise to do for the rest of your life, what would that be? A physical exercise? Yes. Yoga. Yoga. Uh, Pilates. Pilates. Okay. What does it mean to be yourself? Hmm. Or to know yourself? Yeah, that those... And that is a deep question. And it, it took me many years to, to really know myself. And it, it took going to very deep parts of myself that, that might, have, um, might have been a little uncomfortable and still being willing to look at that uh, with love. So knowing myself is, is to, to love myself and to be authentic uh, to who I am and, and what I need what I need to share and, and what I need in order to, um, to be in a place where I can share. Oh, definitely the loving thou self is, is the foundation of it all. Yeah. I, I think it, it starts there. Ask the question one more time, Valerie. Yes. Uh, what is to know yourself? Uh-huh, to know yourself. You know, the other thing that I'll say to that, you know, besides loving yourself is, is that's a kind of an open-ended process. Right. I think it, so true. it continues. It's, it's, it's ongoing and it's the realization <laughs> that, uh, knowing yourself is, it's, uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's constantly, it's a constant, uh, renewal of knowledge. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Well, and we can never really know everything. Right. We're such dynamic creatures too. You know, who I am today may be different than who I am right. tomorrow or who I am next week or yes. uh, who I am next yep. year. Right. So we're, we're being right. open to that change and allowing ourselves ah. to grow and, and loving ourselves through that process, I think is very important. Yeah. And that's life. That's right? life. Yes. Constantly renewal. It doesn't never stops. Constantly mm-hmm. changing. Do you believe in life after death? Yes. Yes, most certainly. What kind of life? Ooh. Different than the one we experience in our physical form. Um, the the idea that uh, our yeah. spiritual self uh, continues long after our physical self is done is one that is so pervasive across virtually every culture throughout time. I think it's hard to deny it. Yeah. I, I, you know, I don't think we die. We we don't die. We we continue in another dimension and and in other forms of energy mm-hmm. and, and, mm-hmm. and physicality. Right. Um, what are three things about life you know for sure? I know that gratitude and thankfulness and a loving heart is a transformative power that I know for sure. Yeah. Um, um, loving life, being love, giving love and living love. Yeah, I like that. Lots of love. (laughs) Yeah. Yes, yes, and yes. Thank you so much for this meaningful, spiritual, fun, healthy conversation. It's really great. Thank Thank you. Thanks for having us, Valerie. I appreciate you providing such a space for these conversations to happen. 
Yeah, thank you for uh, being part of it. I wouldn't be doing this without you. Where can we find more information about you, your company, your products, books, projects? Uh, you can find out more about me through my website, which is watercodes.com. Um, that's a plural, watercodes. Or uh, you can email me directly, carly at watercodes.com. I am happy to take questions and, and provide feedback and engage in uh, fruitful discussions. You can find me on my website, uh, www.truestspring.com, or you can email me, nevin, at truestspring.com. Great. Thank you so much again. Bye for now. Thank you, you, Valerie. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Dr. Carly Newday, please visit her website, watercodes.com. To learn more about Nevin Eckert, please visit his website, truespring.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org podcast. I want to thank the Patreon members, Lawrence McGrath, Mark Basden, Terry Clayton, and Aidan Vickrock. Thank you again for listening, and bye for now.